0: our Bibles. We're about to look at the next bit of Mark together. As a church, we've been journeying through the book of Mark. Uh, I forgot to say, if I've not met you yet, I'm Tammy. Hi, come and say hi to me at the end. I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'm Brian's wife, just in case you hadn't noticed that already. Uh, We're going to look at Mark. Uh, We're in chapter 8, and this is our series that we're calling the King and His Cross. We're looking at the life of Jesus, uh, who he was, what he did, and why we do what we do, what that means for us. Um, If you want to get your physical Bible out right now, it's the right time to do that. And if you would like a copy um, to have in your hand, then I'm going to get Frank. Thank you, Frank. Uh, If you want one in your hand just now to follow along with us, then pop your hand in the air, and Frank will come and deliver one to you. Uh, If you're new to your Bible... If you're not sure um, whereabouts it is we're going, we're going to the New Testament, which is the last bit of the book. There's Old Testament and New Testament. You're going to the second book within that, and the chapter is the big number, and the verses are the small numbers. If you're in doubt at all, go to the front. There is a contents page. I still use it. Uh, What we've seen so far in Mark is we've seen who Jesus is. So we've seen him display his power time and time again. We've seen him uh, talk to the elements and calm wind and wave. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him talk to demons, diseases. We've seen him dis- display his authority time and time again. And what we're about to do after we've read this bit is we're going to go on and see what it is he came for and how he's going to achieve that. But we've landed in this middle point that's quite a pivotal Point within this book. And I have called it the unexpected truth bombs of Jesus, partly because I find myself quite funny. You're meant to laugh. Good. Uh, and I just, I found this quite funny because as I was reading through it and I was reflecting, for me, it feels like he's gathered the disciples together and then he has literally exploded truth bombs on them at this point. Because at this point, they think they know where this is all going. They're having a whale of a time And then all of a sudden, Jesus has a conversation with them that completely changes things. And a bit like color explosions like that. Anyone ever been to like a, whatever you call it, what do you call that, Caitlin? Color run? Who said it? Yes, color run. Thanks. Where you'd throw colored powder at each other. And what happens is you're then marked with that color. And that's what I feel like has happened from this conversation. They've had color thrown on them, and it has marked them from that moment on. And that comes through time and marks us to this day. So you can see what my thinking is. It's not just that I think that I'm funny. <laughs> so we are coming along to Mark 8, and we're going to read. It'll come up on the screen as well. Hopefully you'll be able to read it on there. It says this. what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Whoa, that's a statement and a half. Uh, And he said to them, truly I tell you, Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Thank you, God, for your word. Father God, I pray for us this morning as we delve deeper into what I believe you're saying to us. I pray, God, that you would reveal something new of us, that you would show us what you see when you look at us, that you would explode a truth over us this morning that will leave us marked and changed from this point amen so the first truth bomb that i can see that jesus is casting on them this morning is he's going to pay the price he's going to leave so let's just summarize that is he's going so they've been with him all this time they've seen him do all these incredible things and like i said at the start they think they know where this is going And it doesn't say anything in between the text. I could fill it in with what I think that it says. But it's really clear from what Peter says that they weren't expecting that at all. When you go to verse 31, he begins to teach them. And then as it goes along, he spoke plainly. He didn't mince his words. He never does. He spoke really, really clearly. And then in verse 32, it says... He took them aside and began to rebuke him. Peter, who we heard when Scott was preaching last week, we heard that Peter is the guy who we can all relate to. Peter is the guy who often has brackets after the things that he says to explain what he really meant to say. I feel like I should have brackets after the things that I say. Uh, He had this revelation. And if we cast our minds back to a few weeks ago, I know that we've hopped around because we had the verse after this last week. It was the week before that that we heard the verse just before this. But let's just reflect on what it said. It was what's known as the double touch of Jesus. This was the moment where a blind man came to be healed, and Jesus touched him, and then he could see a little bit, and then touched him again, and he could see clearly. And paralleled with that was the fact that Peter suddenly could see that Jesus was the Messiah— but he couldn't see clearly. He didn't have a full revelation. And the sort of point that came out of all of that is that we all always need a fresh touch from Jesus. So then we move right into this point where Peter has another revelation moment. It's another one of those moments where he thinks, what, wait, I don't understand what you're saying to me now. We're about to go on and heal more people. We're about to go on and do much more miracles. Why on earth are you telling me that you're about to suffer? and that you're about to die you don't have to do that Jesus and you see Jesus's reaction is so severe isn't it if we remember back to the last verse that we the last chapter we were looking at when you look at that in Luke's gospel and I would advise that when we're looking at these in Mark it's often really helpful to read it in one of the other gospels it kind of fills in the gaps for us because Mark is a very short snappy writer But when you see this in Luke, what Jesus says when he says, who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. What Jesus replies with is, I'm going to give you a new name. You see, Peter was called Simon before this moment. And what he said, what Jesus says is, you have just heard from God. And now I'm going to give you a completely new name And your name means rock. That's what Peter means. And on that rock, I'm going to build my church. On Peter, the church is built. That's incredible. And here we have this other revelation moment where all of a sudden, it changes again. And Peter must be thinking, if I was him, I'd be thinking, hold on, you just praised me. You just gave me a whole new name and told me you were going to build the whole church on me. And now you're saying, get behind me, Satan. That's quite severe, right? But again, when you look back at it in Luke and in Matthew, when you look at the temptation of Jesus, when Jesus is baptized and then sent off into the wilderness, what Satan does to him is he tells him time and time again, you don't need to do what you've come to do. Look at this. I can give you all of this. You just need to bow down to me. You don't need to do any of that. And every single time, what Jesus does is quote Scripture back because he knows exactly what he's come for and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And the end part there says, Satan left him for an opportune time. And the uh, commentators would suggest that this is an opportune time. You see, Peter is saying, you don't have to do that, Jesus. You don't have to go through all that pain. What are you talking about? You've just spoken about the cross. I've seen people die on the cross. It's horrific. It's the most horrific death possible. Why on earth would you be saying you're about to do that? You don't have to do that. And what Jesus says is, get behind me, Satan, because he knows exactly what's happening. You see, our enemy will use anything and anyone to distract us from what Jesus has for us to do. And it will come in every different form you can possibly imagine. It will come through insecurity. It will come through someone else saying, you don't have to do that. That looks like really hard work. Don't do it. And what we need in that moment, don't we, is someone to be Jesus. We need someone to give us the truth in the same way as Jesus talked plainly and said, get behind me, Satan. Not suggesting that you would say that to anyone. But what we need is someone who will give us the truth in that moment. For me, um, I have a very good friend who would be utterly mortified, by the way, if she knew I was using her as as an example. And certainly at the fact that I'm about to liken her a little bit to Jesus, she would be cringing in her seat. However, I have a friend who regularly talks Jesus into my life. And there were two particular moments in my life where she delivered a truth that, quite frankly, I did not want to hear. The first one was I was quite new to faith. I didn't really understand at all. I couldn't understand why my life hadn't actually dramatically changed in what I was seeing in front of me. Uh, when I came to faith, I was suffering from depression uh, quite significantly. Uh, and I was just going through this time where I couldn't understand anything, actually. I couldn't understand why God would still allow me to be suffering from depression, why I still couldn't get up out of bed, why I couldn't enjoy my children the way I wanted to. And I remember one day in particular going to my friend's house and literally just crying and crying and crying and just saying, I don't understand. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't understand. I'm so tired. I, I just, I can't even function. Uh, and, and that particular friend didn't really know what to do with me. So she called my good friend, Tori Juice, our good friend. And Tori came round and she diligently listened to me. She hugged me. She cried with me a little bit. And then she looked me in the eye and she said, stop it. Just stop it. You've just listed off a whole bunch of things that you can see in front of you. But what I see is that you have two beautiful children. You have a husband who loves you and who works extremely hard for you. You have a house and you have a job. That's what I see. And you've just said that everything in your life is terrible. Stop it. You need to just look at Jesus. And she gave me a piece of scripture in that moment that I have taken with me all the way through my life. But honestly, did not like her in that moment (laughs) at all. She does know this. I have apologized and repented. But in that moment, genuinely, what I thought was, how dare you? You have no idea what my life is like. You have no idea how many times I got up in the middle of the night with my children You've no idea where my mind's at and how many bad things have happened to me in my life. Look at your life. It's perfect. It's perfect. You're beautiful. You've got the perfect family, the perfect everything. And look at me. Genuinely, for a long time, thought that. But I can still remember that moment because it was the first moment that anyone ever stopped me and said, you need to stop that. She called it out of me. She called the truth out of me just like Jesus did in this moment with Peter. He's saying, stop that. You have only human concerns in your mind, not God's. The other moment was actually not all that long ago. Yep, I did need another reminder. Uh, A couple of years ago, I was ill. uh, And to begin with, we didn't really know what it was. My liver was failing quite significantly. I was in and out of hospital, in pain a lot of the time. And again, defaulted back to what's going to happen. Why is Jesus letting this happen? I'm in so much pain, I can't function, I can't sleep, and listed off all the same things that I had done before. And lo and behold, when I get into church that Sunday, having dragged myself and prided myself in the fact that I had dragged myself out of bed, got to church, and who was I met with? Tori Juice, love her, <laughs> who said, How's your pain today? At which point I cried and said, it's so terrible. They, they don't understand what's happening. I'm still waiting on tests. Nothing, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't work. I've been off work for months. I don't know how this is going to pan out. I'm not allowed to serve. I can't even stay awake for more than a couple of hours. And I just, blah, all over her. And she listened diligently. She comforted me. She even prayed with me. And then she looked at me and she said, don't you dare. What? Don't you dare lose hope you know very well Jesus, you know his name, you know that he's called you, you know that he knows who you are, you know he has a plan for you, don't you dare give up hope. And again, not going to lie, in that moment, she wasn't my best friend. (laughs) But she spoke truth to me when I needed to hear it, because that moment genuinely brought me back to a place of, you're right. And it shook off everything else that I had heard Everything else that I was choosing to believe in that moment was the truth. And she just honed it right in to the truth. And that is what we need. And so my question to all of us this morning is, who have you given permission to to be Jesus to you? Who have you given permission to deliver a truth when you don't want to hear it? Who have you apologized to in advance? and said, I know that you're going to tell me the truth sometimes, and I know that I'm not going to like it, but I need you to tell me. Who have we got speaking into our lives like that? The second truth bomb that Jesus drops here is that we have a price to pay. So again, you can imagine Peter thinking, sorry, what? You've just told me that you're going to the cross, you're leaving, and now you're saying, I have a cross to pick up? I don't really understand where you're going with this. And between verses 34 and 38, what you see is almost this kind of opposite game. You see a game of opposites. You see words like save and lose, lose and save, forfeit and gain. And in our lives, what's faced in front of us is completely countercultural, isn't it? We're taught to hold on to things, we're taught to keep those we love close to us, we're taught to gain as much as we possibly can and to hold it tightly just in case. But what Jesus is saying is exactly the opposite of that. He's teaching them to let go. And actually, again, when you look at this in Luke, he says that this is a daily thing. Daily. Daily we need to come to him and say, I'm sorry, God. I've picked up all this stuff again, and I didn't mean to. Every day. You see, like me, I can imagine that all of you have moments where you get caught in that, yes, but, I'm so busy. Yes, but, there are so many things going on in my life you just wouldn't understand. Yes, but, I'm in so much pain. Yes, but, I'm so ill. Yes, but, I have such a terrible thing happening in my family. And we all do it because we all have all of these things. But what Jesus is saying here is give that stuff to me. Deny your humanness. Deny your selfish desires in one of the translations it says that. Deny that thing inside you that says, it's okay. It's okay to just not try. Hold it all close. Don't let anyone in. That's not what Jesus is saying. We're taught to hold on to things. And to demonstrate this point, I'm going to ask my lovely husband to come up front for me. I did warn him, although you would never know in this moment. Come on, Brian. I forgot, about I forgot about that. Okay, so Brian, I'm about to give you a few things. So the first thing I'm going to give you is this wonderful blanket, and you're roasting. I do appreciate this. This blanket represents comfort. Oh, it's so cozy, look. Oh, You're so secure in here. This represents your security and your comfort and your safety. Look, doesn't he look good, everyone? It's going to get worse. Okay, this... Oh, it's a bit heavier than I expected. This exceptionally heavy bag. This represents your job, your family, and everything you believe about yourself. This is your identity. Okay, it's quite heavy. Feel it? Good. It's only a pillow, but we'll pretend it's heavy. Okay, this bag... Represents those things that you love. This represents TV. We like a box set. This represents football. It represents, let me think, what else? Holidays. <laughs> Holidays. It represents time off. It represents everything that you adore. Now, this next one, this represents your job. Because it's his work bag. This represents your job and your financial security. Now, all of these things you have to hold on tight to, okay? Got them? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, if Jesus comes along and says, Hey, Brian, I've got this really cool thing for you. It's a gift. I have this really cool thing for you. Um, You seem a bit heavy laden. What are you going to do with all that stuff? You have a choice to make. Do you want this? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was clear. <laughs> He's weighing it up. He's actually taking his time to weigh it up. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna let go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would suggest that he's probably... That's a really heavy, heavy gift that you have there. I would suggest that he's asking you to lay all of this down. All of it. All of it. And your comfort. And your security. Lay it down. Brilliant. You can keep the gift. You can give him a round of applause. Okay. Okay. I just wanted you to have a visual representation of what that can actually look like because, guys, we lay things on ourselves, don't we? We clothe ourselves in what we believe our identity is and we heap responsibility onto ourselves. And what happens is when Jesus comes along with something for us, we don't have any capacity left to take on another thing. We have to decide what it is we're going to lay down for him? What are we going to deny? And I know many of you there will be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. Look at your life. You know what? I've been there. I still think it about lots of people. Number one, that's judgment. (laughs) And number two, we're actually living this out right now. So we moved here just over a year ago. And when Jesus said to us, feed my sheep, lead my church, I have a place for you we were terrified quite honestly terrified because we had comfort security we had friends who had brought us to faith and taught us everything we knew or so we thought we had football that Brian played every single week with his friends we watched a lot of tv (laughs) we went on holidays we had all this free time And Jesus said, are you going to give that up? Where are you actually placing your trust? Where are you placing your security? Deny yourself. Deny your selfish desires. And I'm not going to lie. It's blinking painful. (laughs) Is it worth it? A thousand percent yes. To have even one of the tiny glimpses of what God has done in and around the life of this church in the last year. If even just one of them had been all that had happened in this year, I can honestly, truly tell you a thousand percent yes. And so whatever it is that Jesus is saying to you, deny yourself, give it to me. I just urge you to do it. Because it says in verse 38, doesn't it? It's that bit where it's one of those verses that you do not want to think about, you do not want to hear but it says this when I find it. It says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, goodness, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes. Whoa. We don't want to think about that, do we? It doesn't even seem conceivable that Jesus could meet us face to face and deny us. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to be standing in the line, all excited, desperate to see Jesus face to face and then have him say, oh, I don't really know you. You spoke to me once. We did a few things and then I haven't spoken to you since. Where have you been? I don't want that moment. I don't want that moment for Jesus not to run at me with open arms and accept me for everything that we've done together and journeyed together. We need to deny ourselves and follow him. It's a pattern that this book is taking us on, isn't it? The saying yes to Jesus, that's where we're at again here, denying our selfish desires. So the final truth bomb then is that some of us will see God's kingdom come in power in our lifetime. Now, I'm not going to lie, when I first read this, and it just shows my complete naivety, when I was first reading my Bible. When I read this, truly I tell you, some who are standing here, this is 9-1, will not taste, the, taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come in power. When I first read that, what I thought was, whoa, he's actually telling us that Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime. That's amazing. I really want that. Now, I'm not saying that isn't what it's saying. But what it is saying is that every single one of us in this room will see the power of God come in our life. How? How are we going to see that? Do you know what, guys? We're living this right now as a church. We're living and breathing it every Sunday when we come forward and see people receive prayer and receive the power of the Holy Spirit and are healed just by watching a film on Wednesday night. I mean, it is incredible. We're pressing in as a church, aren't we, through all the stuff that we're doing in small group, learning more and more about what it's like to give him free reign through his Holy Spirit. We had the theory, and then on Wednesday night, we had the practice of what that really looks like. And that's what Jesus says. Truly I tell you. Top tip when you're reading your Bible, if ever you see Jesus saying truly I tell you, it's something you need to listen to. It's something that should prick your ears up because when he says it, what follows is always something amazing. It's always a truth and a biblical promise that he's delivering in that moment. So he says, Truly I tell you, and he's talking to a crowd now, not just his disciples. Truly I tell you, you will see my kingdom come in power. And that's why we're pressing in, that's why we're learning. Some of this stuff that makes us feel really uncomfortable. Like going up to a complete stranger and saying, I see you have a really sore leg. Can I pray for you? Not going to lie, that makes me terrified. (laughs) But the thought of God's power coming in that moment and how loved they will feel, whether they're healed or not, because they'll get an experience with him, that was my take home from the film. It's actually doesn't even matter whether they get healed or not the fact that you've stopped to pray for them and shown them love and care in a world where nobody stops, nobody pays attention, that's when they'll experience God's love. And that's his power coming, his kingdom coming in this day and age. That's what it looks like. Every time you get alongside someone and lay a hand on them and pray for them and they begin to experience the love of God, Or they experience healing. Or they experience something that actually they can't articulate often. That is the kingdom of God coming in power in our lifetime. I'm just reminded of the kids because I can hear them. They're having a whale of a time. But if you cast your mind back to a bunch of weeks ago now, if you weren't here, what happened was the kids spent their time next door praying for us. And I have to say it was one of the most humbling moments because they spent time praying for us and listening with all of their hearts and minds to God for what he wanted to say to us. And then one of the leaders came through and had a big list of words and pictures that the kids had found, uh, had been given by God. And it was one of those moments where uh, as that leader was reading these things out, he was thinking... I don't know if any of these make sense to anyone you know some of them were quite out there and i honestly tell you that every single one of them meant something to someone in this room and for some of you you can remember that moment and for some of you you're thinking god has used a child that doesn't even know me to speak to me that's god's kingdom coming in power in this day and age He uses other people. He uses you and I. He uses young and old, big and small, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous, those of us who think God should use us, those of us who are certain that he shouldn't because we know what's going on in our lives, every single one of us. I'm hungry for that. Are you hungry for that? God's kingdom coming in power to see our lives changed, to see the lives of those round about us changed. Because I know every one of us have, at the very least, a handful of people who are going through really tough stuff right now. We want to see their lives changed. There's a cost. We have to deny ourselves. There was an even bigger cost. And I am delighted to say that that price was paid, bought and paid for by what Jesus did on the cross, by the fact that he defeated death itself by rising again, so that we don't have to carry any of this stuff around, so that we can come to him. And when he hands us a gift, no matter what that gift looks like, we can lay our stuff down and say, yes, Jesus, show me what your power looks like in this day and age. That's what's going to transform our community, church. That's what's going to transform people out there who don't even know what we're doing in this building right now, but who have lives that are in desperate need of a touch of Jesus. And so in a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up, please, Um, and we're going to worship. Um, Before we do, I wonder if we can... Um, I'm going to invite Kathleen to come up, actually, um, to share a little bit with us of two things. Kathleen is one of the prayer warriors of our church. She's an outstanding lady, and she's been praying for us all week, and she has a word that she knows is from God for us. Um, But also, Kathleen, um, when we were watching the film on Wednesday night in the Pend, by the way, we were in the Pend, a coffee shop in Ellen two waitresses, don't come to church, not Christians, heard, uh, they didn't come around to watch it, but heard this film, heard all about God, heard what he was doing. And then we had a full-on ministry moment where people were healed, people were on their knees, people were crying, laughing. There was a lot going on in that room. And both those two waitresses and the many, many people that walked past the window and had a double take, and actually the little group of people who stood outside and watched, for a little while is incredible and it's little moments like that that we want to capture because people will have gone away from that place going, you're never going to guess what I was doing at work last night (laughs) you're never going to guess, I walked past the pen and there was these people doing, I don't even know what they were doing, I'm going to ask them, that's what we're hoping Kathleen, what was that experience for you like for
1: you? Um, It was pretty amazing um, because I had, uh, I've got arthritis in both knees, so um, i been really really sore absolutely just um waking up in the night sore legs every time i'd stand up i'd go Ugh. and kneeling on the floor was just awful and i'd had mainly music on wednesday and i'd had a bath when i got home which usually calms my legs but on the way and i wish i'd said it to bill i felt and my um left knee was so so swollen it was you could see it. It was really, really sore. And I sort of walked around the pen, Bill, don't go so fast, don't go so fast, don't go so far. And then I was watching the movie and and I was sitting there and I was thinking, I'm gonna have prayer tonight. I am asking God to do something about my knees. And um, Bill went off straight away as soon as it finished. He didn't even wait to help me up. But I just stood up and I thought, wow, that's wonderful. And my legs felt so so free. And I thought, I'm going to test this out and I'm going to kneel on the floor. Because when God says to me, kneel, I have to say, yeah, but you have to get me up, God. You know that, <laughs> don't you? So I knelt on the floor to try it out. And it was great. And I, the swelling had gone straight away. And I have been pain free since then. It's just been amazing. And what happened yesterday, I met Frankie, who's not here this morning, and I she said, here, oh, you here. are? Frankie's here. She got her, and uh, my left one was healed, and Frankie's right one was healed. Yeah. So, praise God, a left oh and gosh. a right. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. Yeah. And actually, my
0: experience yeah. of it was, because I just stood up to ask everyone what they thought of the film, and we'd had a little bit of chat about what we thought of the film, and, <laughs> and Kathleen, God love her, stood up and went, Tammy! think I've just been healed no one had prayed for her nothing no, had happened no. she'd just been watching the film and in faith been saying to God I want yes. I want to be healed it's amazing and so that's what that's what we want isn't it that's what we want we want the power of God in our lives and so Kathleen you've been praying for us what well, why don't you read this to us on
1: top of this on Sunday night Bill and I went into the evening service um to deliver some stuff and on the way home we had to pa- coming from Aberdeen we had to pass two places where there's been fatal accidents. And they're both concerned men in our village, people I knew, okay? It happened years and years and years ago. But at least three times a year, like birthday, Christmas, Easter, the flowers are renewed. And the rest of the year, they just sort of rot away. But on these occasions, that person's birthday, These flowers are renewed, and it's a memorial place, really. And it marks the spot where the accidents happen, and it's very, very important for the people who love them. Okay? And then, as we were driving along, I just became aware of the Holy Spirit, and He was showing me how, in our lives, we can have something that's happened to us that is awful, it's painful, it's unjust. And it's something that brings a dead place inside our hearts and our minds. And we occasionally allow our minds and our hearts to go past this memorial place. And we go into mourning just for that fleeting moment. We remember the pain and the hurt. And it was real. And then we pass it by. And then every now and then we'll go and it'll hit us again. But God is saying that it's not what he wants. And he gave me this scripture from Isaiah. And I've just turned over to John, okay? So in Isaiah, he says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and owls because I provide water in the wilderness and stream in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now, I just feel that God is saying to you, if you have that dead place inside you, that thing that you're holding on to that you can forget about, but then it comes back, and it is really just like, just that it's dead in you. You don't want anything dead in you. You want to be living a life that's a living living life so just come for prayer today if that's you um just please come and we'll pray with you um and the sweet release that jesus brings at times like this so just just go for it
0: wonderful i couldn't say it better myself and so we're going to stand why don't we worship um if do you know what sometimes we use these moments Uh, as a if that is you if it is you who needs Jesus to speak truth to them if it is you who needs to deny themselves or if it is you that wants to see God's kingdom come in power then come forward but I'm going to suggest it may be something completely different It may not be anything to do with anything that we've said uh, in my talk today. It may not even be anything that Kathleen has said. And it's not a walk of shame. It's not that moment of, oh, it's me again. You should be rejoicing. You should be running coming down that aisle because this is a moment where you can receive prayer, a moment where you can allow Jesus to come and speak. And so we're going to provide space down the front here.